what? I got a fever. You give me fever, fever in the morning. Fever all through the night. Okay, folks, welcome to episode 56 of the Dynasty Fever podcast. I'm Brian Ford. I'm flying solo tonight without my usual co host, Jesse Schneeman. Jesse's feeling under the weather uh, tonight, so it'll just be me solo and probably a shorter episode, uh, partly because of that. Um, like everybody else, uh, we're going to be doing a, a little bit of a, a reaction to uh, the, the trade deadline, but you know some other things planned uh, as well. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. That would do us a, a solid. So the topic tonight, as I said, is a little bit of trade deadline reacts, but then uh, mostly uh, some stuff about uh, Dynasty tight ends to sort of round out our series that we're doing on uh, on each position. So, you know, a lot of folks have tweeted and done their podcast episodes about the trade deadline. I'm not going to spend too, too much time on it. You know, you've had you've had time to soak it in. You've you've looked at your your content creators. You've chatted in your group chats. Um, I'm going to take a look at the Hawkinson trade, uh, mainly to highlight that two things. One, it's kind of a confirmation of what we already knew. Hawk ain't what we thought he was going to be. He's not the next Kittle. He's been pretty much mediocre uh, the entire time. Um, you know, us sort of keeping him high up in those rankings, I think we're sort of slow to move uh, people down or wish casting or sticking to our priors, whatever you want to call it. I, I just think that it's it's time to realize that, you know, he ain't it. And if he was enough of a dynamic player and a cornerstone, he wouldn't have been uh, traded. Although they did get good good tra- draft capital for him. Where that plays in as far as he ain't it, though, is also in his new offense. People were ready to say, oh, Hawk gets a huge bump. It's a better quarterback. It's better offense and all that. And that may be true. You know, I think the gap between Cousins and Goff is probably smaller than, than people think. Uh, and with the Lions playing from behind uh, a lot, you know, they're, you know, and being number four, I think, in explosive plays going into uh, their matchup against uh, Miami. I don't I don't know necessarily that, that you know, the, the, the leap in the offense is huge, right? Really, it's horizontal to me. But horizontal not just because of the slight gap between offenses or quarterbacks, but horizontal because of the role, right? Irv Smith didn't play a big role in that offense. Hawk wasn't playing a huge role in the Detroit offense if, you know, folks were healthy. And now he slides in and he's not going to play a big role in the Minnesota offense. He's, you know, a good complementary piece. Uh, It may take a little bit of of some, you know, high-value red zone targets from Thielen, maybe, uh, but certainly not at first as he learns the offense. So... You know, I think getting too excited about uh, anything for, for Hawk is is not it. Where I want to highlight, though, is James Mitchell. He's the guy to, to pick up in uh, in Detroit. Obviously, this is after your waiver wires. A lot of people have gone through the waiver wires. Brock Wright may be going for more money or more often than James Mitchell. James Mitchell is the guy you want. Uh, he, he sat out a lot of the 2021 season in college due to a knee injury, and I think that kind of get him off people's radar and slipped his his draft uh, his draft stock a bit but he's not the blocker right Brock Brock Wright can block he is the athletic pass catcher you know needs to refine his routes like a lot of like a lot of rookies 
Um, you know, and, and, uh, but the, the, really the knocks on him, like 90% of the knocks on him that I saw from the scouting community were related to blocking. And you don't have to do that if they don't, they don't want him or need him to do that. They can, you know, have Brock Wright play more in line when appropriate, move Mitchell around more when appropriate, you know, um, and maybe, you know, in practice too, Mitchell is improving at, at his, at his blocking. So the idea is he's the fantasy points person you want, not, not Brock Wright. James Mitchell, I think, is going to be um, a, a guy where people said, oh, okay, I, you know, kind of l- super late in startups or super late in rookie drafts or threw a couple bucks on him on the waiver wire or, you know, past, you know, post the hawk trade, uh, I slapped a, down a few dollars and that return on investment is going to be, is going to be big, uh, you know, in, in my opinion. So that's really why I wanted to talk about the hawk trade because of the horizontal nature and because James Mitchell is really the guy to have. Uh, the Claypool to Bears trade, uh, slightly contrarian take on this. Um, first off, a lot of people were saying uh, that uh, the Steelers robbed the, the Bears. I mean, you know, you, you got a, a, a known quantity at a, you know, volatile but premium position who is signed through 2020. Three, uh, and if you look at the the draft uh, uh, free agent class after this season in wide receivers, there ain't much there. Um, Jacoby Myers and Juju, you know, and I don't think either of those are are the type of, of person that the Bears needed, and certainly they're not the type of player that that uh, that Claypool is. Uh, by type, I mean I mean role, right? Where this, I think, really. Um, and, and if they kept the second-round pick and spent it on a wide receiver, the the hit rate, you know, compared to sort of what you know you already have in your pocket with with Claypool, I, I just, you know, I just think it was a smart trade, and I, I think the idea that the Bears got robbed is is silly. And while this is, I think, a bump for Claypool, um, I think he gets higher on the usage tree. I think he gets a quarterback improvement. Um, I think it's really good for Fields. Um Weeks one through four fields different from weeks five through eight fields. Um, you know, uh, a, a number of reasons, you know, uh, uh, pass percentage up, uh, design runs being built in for him, that sort of thing. You know, and now he gets uh, an added weapon. You know, he's, when, he, when he drops back to pass, you know, he's looking at Mooney, he's looking at Komet, and now he's looking at Claypool. He's not looking at, you know, Equinemius St. Brown or... Dante Pettis or, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry or, you know, uh, those folks. And uh, I think it's going to be good for him, right? I think also his skill set as far as his arm strength uh, better suits Claypool than than Pickett's skill set. And so also Claypool, you know, is versatile. You know, we've seen him be used, uh, you know, out of the backfield or jet sweeps and that sort of thing. So, you know, don't count that aspect out either. Now, there are certainly things to, you know, be down about about Fields. Uh, and I'm going to sing his praises later on uh, in, in this episode. But, but yeah, I think this is very good for Fields. I think it's a slightly smaller bump for Claypool. But, but I mean, the idea that, like, Pittsburgh robbed them or that it that means nothing for Claypool and Pl- Claypool's, you know, buried and done and he was crappy anyway, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I don't see it. Uh, Naheem Hines to the Bills. Uh, again, slightly contrarian take on this, which is why I want to highlight it. 
uh, listen, I'm ready to bury uh, James Cook as as much as the next doubter is. You know, Jesse and I, you know, we're on record. We were all, we were out on Cooks uh, going into the rookie drafts. I think I have one or two like uh, Cook, right? Cook, not cook. <laughs> uh, one or two, um, you know, in, in case I'm wrong, shares and, and that sort of thing that uh, I could either ride or flip depending on, on, you know, what the situation was, right? But all that to say, I'm not burying Cook. Um, it, his usage was increasing. Uh, he was carving out a role. Uh, he was doing well with relative to the number of touches he had. I had a couple really good good plays, right? I don't think the coaches don't see that, right? I don't think they're they're blind, right? So I don't think it, it buries Cook. Now, at the same time, I don't think that particular role is all that important in the um, in the Buffalo offense. But who knows? You know, maybe somebody as dynamic as Cook is supposed to be, you know, might might uh, might make that untrue might he might make the case for for that role increasing in the offense I doubt it but you know it's it's a non-zero chance right so that's part of my contrarian take my other part of my contrarian take is that this is probably worse news for Singletary than it is for James Cook because Naheem Hines does have you know sort of uh, two down uh, ability more than James Cook does right he's not just the pass catcher you know, we saw him get a few goal line carries in, in Indianapolis, one healthy, and spell JT in Indianapolis, uh, one healthy, right? So to me, this is, this is a strong possibility that we have a very annoying three-headed backfield like we supposedly were getting when Zach Moss supposedly was resurrecting uh, in week, what was that, week one or something like that, right? Um, so it, it could be... Bad news for Singletary and be uh, and be annoying. Um, so you know things to keep in mind as you're thinking about uh, rankings, trade value, and 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 that sort of thing. Nothing else really stands out too too much uh, to me from uh, the trade deadline as far as like Jeff Wilson and Chase Edmonds. You know Ridley's interesting, but yeah, you know it remains to be seen what's going on with him. You know he, when he returns, he'll be 28 in December and. You know, is is Lawrence what we think he is? You know, is uh, is is the rust going to be there? Uh, was he ever all that elite to begin with? All these things I think are are in the mix with the Ridley trade, but it's interesting, right? Because he's on the suspension and and all that, and is moving on from that team, uh, and people will be anxious to see, uh, you know, how he how he does. But you know, I don't I don't think it's it's really moving the needle for me one way or the other. What I think does happen with these trades, though, is the buzz gives you a buy or sell window, right? If the buzz is Cook is buried, you know, maybe throw out an offer for Cook, see what you can get him for, right? If the buzz is this is good for Hawk, maybe you have a sell window for Hawk, which, you know, it's probably a good sell anyway, even regardless of the trade. So, you know, just, you know, things to, to, to keep in mind. Um, so that's really all the time that I want to spend on the, the trade deadline. Um, the other topic that we were going to talk about in between that and tight ends was going to be the uh, running back ACLs. Uh, Jesse was really interested in this. Uh, we, uh, we did uh, a 10-minute-ish outtake that I posted uh, about running backs and their ACLs. 
Um, you know, my contention was, okay, we have Adrian Peterson, we have Saquon Barkley, name me a really good ACL recovery beyond that. Like, yes, it's not an Achilles, and yes, it's not what it used to be, but name me a really good ACL recovery beyond that. And so what we wanted to do was research, like, the second year back from ACLs, how running backs did. All that was kind of grown out of this conversation where um, I don't necessarily see Brees Hall or Javante Williams worth really what people are, are, are paying for them, um, even even injured. Um, so, uh, you know, if you, for me, if you, if you can get Brees Hall and you don't flip him before the 2023 season, um, then it's not worth it, right? Now, some people are, you know, okay, fine, I can flip them. You know, for me, I don't like to be left holding the bag. I'm risk averse. I don't bank, I often don't bank on making that that next trade. And part of the reason, honestly, I don't bank on making that next trade is I I don't trust people to do what's right and make good, smart trades because, you know, that's just what I experience uh, in uh, in a lot of leagues. But, um, you know, all that to say we'll return to running back ACL is probably in our in our next episode. So it's time for sort of the the main topic tonight, and that's that's dynasty tight ends. Um, so you know we did a, a running back episode, a wide receiver episode. We did our quarterback costume party, right? So you know we're just going to do one more, and so we might as well round it out and and do a tight end episode, which is you know kind of fitting because Hawk, you know, seemed to be the 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 biggest trade anyway. So um, interesting. When I looked at, you know, my rankings and thought about, like, the dynasty landscape, you know, the theme that we had with quarterbacks and running backs was really how many can you trust, right? And we already know that about tight end. We already know that after, you know, a few elite uh, options, it's volatile, it's, it's you know, sometimes interchangeable, it's, it's sometimes a barren landscape, even if you go just a little bit further down. Um, so... We kind of already knew that about tight end, but uh, some things I wanted to highlight was, uh, you know, some shifts kind of within those tiers, within those ranges, uh, what what people are doing, what, what people are thinking, what I'm noticing, uh, what I'm doing with my rankings and that sort of thing. So first off is, you know, Andrews versus Pitts. That's the, the top tier for me is Andrews and Pitts. Uh, recently, I put Andrews above Pitts. Listen, Pitt's super talented. He's got the youth. He's dynamic, right? You know, but, you know, we're looking at a, a, a situation where the offense doesn't throw. We don't know how long that coach is going to be there. Uh, you know, there have been some signs of improvement for, for Pitts, but, you know, I'm comfortable putting Andrews, who is essentially the wide receiver one on his team with elite target share. I'm, I'm, I'm fine putting him first. But, you know, again, it's the same tier, so it's not a huge deal. What was surprising to me is that in our Twitter poll about Andrews versus Pitts, 78.6% of Dynasty managers voted for Andrews um, on top of Pitts. Now, one of the things that I notice in these polls is recency bias, and I think that plays a role. I'm okay with Andrews being ahead of Pitts. Like I said, I put him there myself, right? I'm even okay with Andrews being a clear victor in that poll right but essentially 80 to 20 i don't i don't that surprised me that margin of of victory 
surprise me. So that's pretty interesting, which, you know, and again, if we're looking at, at this as far as like, what do we do with that information? You know, um, I don't know that there's many situations in which you're, you know, you're, you're selling pits, uh, selling Andrews in a, in a tight end premium, but certainly, you know, if there's a contender who might be down on pits and they were banking on pits as their tight end one, you know, maybe that's something to, uh, to try to capitalize on, right? You're always looking for leverage. You're already, you're always looking for, uh, for an edge. Maybe you can tear up to pits from somebody you have at a cheaper price than it once was, right? So you're still putting on top of, say, I don't know, a Goddard, right? Um, but it, maybe it's less of an on top. It's less of a plus, right, between Goddard and Pitts now uh, than, than maybe it was. Which kind of brings me um, to, well, no, let's do Kettle. Uh, kettle. <laughs> let's do Kittle versus uh, Kelsey real quick. You know, I think, I think across the board, uh, people were were okay putting Kelsey back on top of Kittle, even if they had Kittle above. Um, that's my tier two. You know, it's Kelsey three, Kittle four. Um, I had Kittle above probably uh, maybe a few months ago, right? The idea was, all right, you know, they both have a really good ceiling. Kittle's got the age factor, you know, but um, between, you know, Kittle getting dinged up and... Uh, him being asked to block more than than maybe some of these uh, elite tight ends uh, are asked uh, are asked to block, um, you know, and, and Kelsey just with the you know just insane floor that he has as you know the first pass option on on that on that offense, you know, I'm okay putting Kelsey above Kittle, but again, the exact same percentage in our poll: seventy-eight point six percent Kelsey, twenty-one point four percent Kittle. That, to me, is surprising, that it's essentially 80-20, like the Andrews Pitts was. And again, I think a lot of those same things now apply, right? If you've got Kittle, chances are, you know, unless you're in a rebuild, you're not really moving him too much in a, in a tight end premium league. Um, but maybe, you know, there's people in your league who aren't reflective of this poll. Maybe there are people in your league who are the 21.4%, and you might be able to, say, still move him. Um, I don't know though, like we've seen Kittle build up a few good weeks, right? You know, we've seen Kittle arguably be better, Garoppolo being better for Kittle than, than Lance is. We've seen the offense is probably going to get a nice jolt here from McCaffrey, right? And when, when Debo is healthy too, it's a lot of weapons that they have. And a very good play caller, play designer, right? Kittle may have a spike week or two, you know, coming up. And that might be the time uh, uh, to pivot, you know. But if you were interested uh, in, in Kittle and the cost was prohibitive for you at first, and, you know, you're looking to tear up, you know, just like Pitts, you know, the the plus, the gap that you have to close is is going to be smaller probably than than it once was. And then um, tier three for me, um, you know, has been has been pretty fluid. I recently just just changed it tonight, um, but I had uh, I had put Goddard up at five, and then I uh, moved Frymuth up to six, had Waller at seven, and Hawk at eight. Uh, Hawk is down to ten for me now, but 
uh, you know, roughly you know, in, in, in a similar range, right? So I, I kind of said, okay, let's put that that tier out on on a Twitter poll, right? And so 38.5% uh, chose Goddard, 30.8% chose Hawk. The poll was posted before the trade, but uh, you know, I, maybe some of the buzz, recency bias, and all that might have inflated his percentage. 23.1% for Frymuth and then 7.7% for Waller. Again, I think a little bit of recency bias. I had dropped Waller in my rankings. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you know, with uh, with him being, you know, dinged up and 29 and, you know, Devontae Adams on board, that there, there, there isn't a narrative to say like, okay, well, you know, you're going to slip him in the rankings. I didn't think he'd be, he'd be last by that large a number. So, again... Whatever you think is sort of actionable based on that, you know, small sample size. But the idea is that, as I said at the top, you can't trust many and things are in flux, right? Uh, and, you know, to some degree, yes, things are always in flux in season, right? It, you know, we're seeing new information, we're seeing performances on the field, and, and, we, and we adjust to all that. I think I'm feeling, I'm sensing things at running back and tight end being particularly more in flux, perhaps, than I expected, and in flux pretty pretty rapidly, pretty rapidly, too. Um, and so, you know, that brings us to, after that, there's a lot of volatility. You know, I love Najoku. Um, you know, I've got him up over Hawk now. Uh, he's, you know, he's a former number one pick in 2017. He's He's got skills. He's got the athleticism. He's a dynamic player. Yes, he's hurt for a few weeks, but he's he's shown out this year. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got a new contract, and he's linked to Deshaun Watson, who, you know, we hope can be, what, maybe 80% of what he was, and that's still an improvement over over Brissett. So, you know, he's a guy that I, that I really like. Um, Schultz, you know, he's... You know, I, I think we, we kind of overinflated him a little bit after... Um, after him being tight end three last year, but you know he does have good chemistry with Dak, and he's, you know, he is getting a a, a good percentage of of targets on Dak dropbacks. I think so, you know. But I think I definitely see a Najoku above him. Um, Knox is TD dependent, um, not a not a volume person. Um, they're not going to him really on you know clutch third downs a lot or anything. So again, you know, somebody to uh, to to maybe you know, leverage people's, uh, people's inflated opinions of. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, so again, I'm not going to read through like, uh, every single tight end in, in my rankings and just give you an opinion about them. This is an example of things are moving and I think they're moving in the direction where, and remember too, you have to, you have to remember there's not a lot of great tight ends really coming out in 2023. Uh, so that has to think, you know, that has to factor into how, how you're seeing things. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's really, it's really a matter of like the people who say, you know, um, that age matters a whole lot in their rankings and the people who say, you know, talent over situation a thousand percent of the time, right? The type of tight ends that those folks are going after are probably the ones that I'll be going after, right? I think when it when I think about 
who to trust. I think about, in this case, who is good to bet on. I know those are two different things, right? Trust kind of implies like this person has a safe role or a, or, or a contract or they have a reliable floor and that sort of thing. I'm seeing trust with tight ends as who can I trust to um, gain value, separate their se- themselves from the field, uh, give me leverage, give me a, a, an edge on people who say are still viewing uh, Irv Smith or Hawk or, um, you know, other folks. Noah Fant, right? Like, what the hell has Noah Fant ever done to be ranked higher than, I don't know, 20, right? Like, please, you know, uh, get out of here with that. So, yeah, that's that's who I'm leaning on. And I'm also leaning on um, rookies, you know, and of course it's Dynasty. We all love rookies, right? Um, but we, one of the things that Jesse and I wanted to do was kind of take a look at this this rookie class, 2022 rookie class of tight ends, you know, and, and think about where we stand with them and, and you know, how far they're ascending and, and, and that sort of thing. So going into the draft, um, uh, my – uh, my tight end rankings were um, McBride, Dulcich, uh, Otten, Johnny Woods, uh, and then I think it was Rucker and Likely, and I think maybe Bellinger was nine or ten. But uh, anyway, so we uh, were taking stock of of these rookies, and you know a number of them have at least flashed, if not really sort of, you know, commanded a, a role. Dulcich is the best example, right? Um, not super athletic, right? But is right away, you know, demanding targets, is working in a role in the offense that isn't just, say, you know, an inline tight end, right? So people are clearly excited about him. When, when we asked... Um, which rookie uh, tight end uh, people were most optimistic about, uh, Dulcich was 66.7%. Not surprising. I did put the caveat in in that tweet, you know, considering all factors, because I wanted people to, you know, that was kind of my my nudge of like, what's that team going to look like? What's that offense going to look like? Russ is shit in the bed, right? But, you know, I think with with good reason, people people still... Uh, uh, went with with Dulcich. Um, you know, Isaiah Likely, you know, has been buzzy. People love him. I'm not saying I don't, you know. I have him uh, ranked ahead of, of, you know, some, some other popular names like Higby or Hunter Henry or that sort of thing. Like, you know, names that have been around for a bit that, that are known quantities. I just, you know, is that offense going to find ways to use him enough um, in an offense that is basically Lamar, um run the ball, uh, Andrew's wide receiver one, and we also like Bateman. Like, where does Likely fit in to all that? That's my concern with Likely. Um, but, it, you know, I like the talent. I obviously like the age. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push him up, right? He's going to be a person that I'm, that I'm going after. If someone's got them as Likely as, like, their tight end three or four, right? You know, they grab them, you know, third round or something in a – in a rookie draft, right, and they're um, and they're a contender, right, and you've got a usable piece for them, um, you know, get likely, 
folded into that deal. Um, it, it's it's doable in, in a lot of leagues. Bellinger, unfortunately, is out with that eye injury. You know, but I think he's got a chance to have a, a good role in the offense. It'll be interesting to see what they do at, at receiver, right? Um, Shepard, of course, out with the ACL, with the ACL, but he was already twenty nine. Slayton, you know, people forget he's only twenty five, but you know, uh, seems to have been a forgotten man. Has had a a, a few weeks here where he's he's gotten a, a good number of targets. Wandale, of course, ascendant. People love him. Um, Galladay is, you know, oh, who knows, right? What are they going to do at receiver for next year? What's the offseason going to look like for them? Um, you know, what are they going to do in the draft, right? What role will Bellinger have in the pecking order, right? So it's something to keep keep a, keep an eye on, right? Again, some of the theme with tight end tonight is they're volatile. It's barren. Bet on talent, like for sure. Um, but situation doesn't mean zero, right? So something to keep in mind is uh, is how safe and how big that role is going to be. But you know, until uh, you know, is it really going to be anything major in one off season? I don't know. You know, it remains to be seen. Um, they have other needs. You know, um, the uh, the wide receivers in, in twenty twenty three are good, but it's top heavy. So. You know, uh, if they don't address it, you know, in like the first round, you know, when are they gonna when are they gonna address it, right? And as a and as a person with, you know, fourth round draft capital, um, gonna be a, gonna be the guy who you know makes, uh, makes Bellinger worth a lot less than we think he's gonna be. Um, you know, Kate Otten, love Kate Otten. As I said, he was he was you know. Um, ranked third for me going into the draft. Um, optimistic, age, talent, bet on it for sure. But again, situation doesn't mean zero, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that offense is has a high pass rate, which is good, right? But overall, it's not performing all that well recently. And, you know, Brady, you know, who knows? The guy could play till he's 50. The guy could retire next week. Um, so that's something to think about, right? Who is going to be the quarterback there in the next couple of years to throw the ball to, to Kate on, right? Uh, it's a consideration, right? And so, um, just want to touch on Jelani Woods and McBride real quick. Um, so, you know, you know, I love Woods, you know, that I acknowledge that he's raw and sort of a, a project and, and that sort of thing. Um, we've seen evidence that, you know, he, the coaches like him and he's, he's going to be the one there. Um, we'll get to that in a, in a second, but just wanted to note that, you know, he has flashed and, and I do still, do still like him. The arrow's still up. Going to get to McBride in a little bit too, you know, and I think he's just a, a victim of, you know, the depth chart at this point, right? Um, he was my number one prospect, you know, going into uh, the draft because not only, did he have the receiving ability, but also was, you know, a, a blocker, was was well-rounded, you know, and I think that's going to that's gonna bear fruit, uh, but it might not be this year. Um, we'll see. Especially now, <clears throat> D-Hop back and Rondell Moore, you know, producing more than we all thought. A lot of us had sort of 
just kind of given up on him. So, um, you know, some deep cuts in the in the rookie class because you know I like my deep cuts. Uh, Chigo on um, on Tennessee, I like him. You know, it, it, it's not like he's got a lot of competition to be the the tight end one there, but you know, it's also a matter of you know the offense, the quarterback. Um, you know, even if say Tannehill is gone. Uh, next year in some reason, right? Although he's got, I think, a contract that might make that prohibitive or was that reworked? I forget. But anyway, even if Malik Willis is the, the quarterback next year, I, as you know, am not a big Malik Willis fan, right? Um, especially as far as, you know, uh, passing, you know, to, to Chig. So, you know, he's a guy who remain I remain optimistic about, but, you know, I'm also realistic about Um Grant Calcaterra, uh, you know, I, I joked with Jesse, of course, early in, in the season. Um, you know, he's a guy that started on the practice squad. Uh, the thing was, he's good at what he does. He's a good receiver. Uh, but he just has a really interesting story and track record of, you know, injuries and, and all that and transfers. And, you know, what's it going to be like? Can he stay on the field? And, you know, he hasn't seen... Um, the usage, you know, at all, really. He had, he had like, a, a really cool 40-yard catch, you know, a, a couple weeks into the season. I think he might have had a TD or something else one week. But, you know, he's a deep cut, somebody that, you know, you know keep him on your taxi squad or, you know, if you have to move him off your taxi next year, there's probably somebody you can drop instead of, instead of him, right? Um, so... That's, you know, sort of uh, it really on the rookie class, right? So sort of the, the highlights here of, of tight end are, for me, some shifts among the top eight or so. Um, but overall, uh, I'm decreasing the, the role that situation plays and how I look at these, these guys uh, and sort of increasing the role that um, talent and age is playing. I'm just going to bet on that because at a position where, you know, it's, it's top heavy, it's, it's barren, it's volatile, whatever, you know, right? Like it's unreliable. I'm just going to, just going to bet on people I think are good, you know? And I think that's, you know, not anything original, but certainly a, a, a point for me where I probably was thinking about like the role that people play a little too much, um, their situation a little too much. Um, so time then for temperature check. Uh, we've mentioned a couple of the polls already, but, uh, here we are with uh, a couple more that we haven't highlighted. Um, they're going to be about Woods and McBride. Uh, so, uh, the first poll we asked you was, uh, which Colts tight end will you most want on your dynasty rosters going into the 2023 season? Jelani Woods ran away with 93.3%. Mo Alley-Cox, 6.7%, which means, of course, if you're good at math, goose egg for Granson. I was a little surprised at this. I thought Granson would be second, and I thought Woods' margin of victory would be, would be smaller. Um, maybe, you know, folks are hopping on the Woods train with me, or maybe it's just they look at it and say, you know, who knows who, what, who's going to be what week to week, so I might as well, 
might as well go with the the young guy with 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 upside. So that that was kind of surprising to me, and uh, not surprising to me, but I think worth worth reporting on. Uh, we asked you, uh, in your opinion, has Trey McBride lost value as a dynasty asset for you, not necessarily for the market? The choices were yes, no, and it's complicated. Thirty point four percent said yes. 47.8% said no. 21.7% said it's complicated. Unfortunately, none of the it's complicated people bothered to uh, comment why in, in, in the replies. But, you know, I do think it's, wor- it's worth noting that, you know, while people are super excited about Dulcich with good reason, you know, a lot of them are also saying, hey, listen, we know what McBride is, right? We don't, we're not going to say that, you know, his out of sight, out of mind stuff is is gonna is gonna affect us here. He's not gonna be out of our minds, essentially, uh, right? And being that recency bias does play a, a big role in in these Twitter polls, I did expect the margin to be a little smaller. I, I expect it to be a little closer um, between yes and and no. But there you are, right? And I agree. I'm I'm not you know. McBride hasn't lost really one ounce of, of value for me. Is you know is it possible Dulcich is more valuable now? Of course. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not going to deny that, right? But I'm I'm certainly sunny and optimistic about about Trey McBride. So uh, no worries there. Uh, if you have McBride, hold. Um, I don't see many situations in which selling is a is a good idea. All right, so that brings us to of course our patented fever and chills segment. Uh, so. Jesse isn't here, uh, so we're gonna. I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna do two. All right. So I have uh, two fevers. One is Justin Fields. Talked about it earlier, right? There are things to say about Fields, of course, that that are are bad, right? It's all. It's also somewhat difficult to untangle what's going on. I think the people who simply say Justin Fields isn't a good passer. Justin Fields is, you know, bad and, you know, people who uh, support him are just making excuses. I think that's too simplistic. I also think people who say, you know, uh, you know, I haven't lost an ounce of faith in Fields and and that sort of thing. I think that's too simplistic, too. Right. So, for example, right, he, he gets he gets sacked a lot and he holds the ball too long. Right. And, you know, there are people willing to say, like, well, you know, nobody's open and the O-line isn't playing great, right? But then there are also people who point out, like, yes, but he's taking sacks uh, at, like, much longer duration than the average sack is taken. So what do I mean by that? Like, say the average sack happens within, I don't know, 2.5 seconds of the snap, right? He's taking sacks that are, you know, like 4.1, let's just say, right? Like, it's he's going beyond the average, right? And so, you know, maybe he is, uh, maybe it's not the O-line in that situation, and maybe it is him, you know, waiting till somebody's completely wide open to throw and that sort of thing. The thing with me for Fields is, obviously, rushing floor, right? B, people who think he's, he's a bad passer or not a good passer, I just simply disagree with. He's a very good passer. Right, he can throw into tight windows. He's got a good arm. Right, you know, quarterbacks are complicated. Right, 
rookies take a while sometimes. You know, um, a lot of things are happening, a lot of variables, coaching change, uh, getting sacked a lot, you know, not having good weapons to throw to, people not getting open, right? And maybe being, you know, uh, uh, you know trigger shy, right? Or, you know, um, not having confidence and, and uh, you know, or buckling under pressure, right? I'm not saying it's, it's, he's completely without fault, but I think it's, it's to say that he's just, you know, oh, he's just, he's, he's awful. He's, you know, bury him. He's not what we thought he was. Just, just, you know, forget it. He's not a good passer. I just, I just think it's, I just think it's silly. Uh, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's absolutely silly. I think, you know, the arrow is up on him the last few weeks. I think Claypool helps him. Not a huge amount, but I think it helps him. He may not be what we thought he was going to be. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, may not be what we thought he was going to be. But if, if you've got somebody who's out on fields, scoop them up. Scoop them up. I mean, that's, you know, uh, you know, quarterbacks in a super flex don't come cheap. Young quarterbacks in a super flex don't come cheap, right? But, you know, he's slipped in people's eyes. Is he QB three or four on a contender's team? Right? Can you take advantage of that? Can you move Kirk Cousins to that team? Right? Maybe even get something added, right? It's possible. So my first fever, Justin Fields. My second fever is rookies. As I said before, obviously, you know, we're in love with rookies uh, in Dynasty, but the fever here is more about looking forward. Rookies often get better in the second half of the season. So, you know, there may be folks who have underperformed, like a James Cook, like a Sky Moore, although I'm not a huge Sky Moore fan, as you know, where it might get better in the second half of the season. I'm not saying it will. I'm saying it might, right? Uh, there's, there's an argument to be made that Sky Moore may be just buried after they traded for Tony, so, you know, move on, um, you know. But he was just an example that came to my head. And there also may be rookies who are performing, you know, well that might perform even better moving into the second half. So that's something to monitor when you're thinking about now halfway through the through the year what kind of trades you're making. Um, something to, to keep in mind. Chills. Time for what's given me the chills. So my first chills is Twitter douches. I know we all are fond of saying you know, Twitter's a cesspool and. Twitter's ridiculous and, you know, stay off Twitter and, and, and that sort of thing. And listen, there are many things that I have problems with on, on fantasy football Twitter, right? The one I want to highlight tonight, though, is um, the, the penchant for, the, the, the quick reaction to, um, the quick uh, impulse to, uh, I told you so. Like, something happens in, in the NFL or in fantasy or whatever, and some people's reactions, in, you know, including and sometimes especially content creators, is to then go shit on the people who thought the other side, right? Like, so say you were, I don't know, an Elijah Mitchell stan, right? And, you know, CMC gets traded to San Francisco, right? What you'll see on Twitter is people saying you were an idiot, right? I call it, I told you so, dick measuring Twitter. That people are there more to shit on other people and their takes and for supposedly being wrong 
than they are to have an actual conversation and to, you know, help people, right? Listen, I'm a, I'm a nobody. I'm not saying there's people following my advice a lot and doing a lot based on what I say. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But when, I, when I'm on there, I try my best to, you know, to have like a conversation about things or, you know, to say in my opinion or I could be wrong, right? Like it's just, you know, you see some accounts and just every other tweet is, you know, hey, so-and-so truthers, what, what's up now? You know, really, so your, your reaction is something happening in the NFL. Your first reaction is to shit on people who might be wrong for it, right? Like, and that to me is just, it's just stupid, right? It, it's just stupid. I mean, it's not surprising, like I said, you know, Twitter can be a cesspool. There's a lot of negativity there, but I don't know, it just was particularly uh, pissing me off this week. Maybe it was because of the trade, trade deadline. I don't know. So my other chills uh, this week is um, Jerry Jones. <laughs> like he, he could be a chills every week, right? But you know, and and it's not just him. You know, it's 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 the Cowboys. But that whole Pollard is better than Zeke, and Pollard is better than Zeke is stupid, and yada yada yada, right? Like, and then and then it just you know, and then Pollard has his has his breakout week, right? And I think a lot of us knew by now that Pollard is the the more dynamic player, the, the guy that, that should probably be used more, right? I think what what I was hedging, not hedging, but what I was reluctant to, to come around to was that, you know, can he be a lead back, right? Now, obviously, you know, we don't have the, the data set, right, the sample size of him, you know, being a, a, a lead back for, you know, a season or something like that. But, uh, you know, as me and Jesse have talked about, we didn't think Pollard, we, we wanted Pollard to have a bigger role, right? But we didn't think that he was ever going to be like a one, right? That that whatever team had him would sort of always have a Zeke type running back to complement Pollard. I might have, I'm not going to speak for Jesse and say we might have been wrong. I, I might have been wrong, right? I don't, I, I don't like to base it on like, you know, one, one big breakout week. But, you know, I, I, just think, I just think he's the guy. I think he's better, I think he's better than Zeke. And really the thing that is, that is, you know, making me reluctant to, you know, sort of say Pollard to the moon or whatever is one why I'm mad at Jerry Jones is just it's going to be you know status quo deployment right they're not going to use Pollard more than they they have or at least as much as they should right and two he he's a free agent right um, and I can't guarantee that he goes to into his second contract on another team and has a a bigger better role right hell I can't guarantee that he doesn't resign with the Cowboys although I don't think that's that's likely. So the only things that are keeping me from really being on the, the Pollard hype train, right, are my uncertainty about next year and, you know, and, and, and Jerry Jones and the Cowboys not using him the way they should the rest of this season. Uh, so, yeah, that's my, that's my second chills. Um, fuck Jerry Jones. But, of course, fuck Jerry Jones for so many reasons, right? All right, that'll do it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ffjunkie underscore. Uh, I have my dynasty rankings on goingfor2.com. Uh, I have the occasional article on goingfor2.com. I'll be writing more 
in the off season. You can also find me uh, live at 7.30 p.m. on the Going For Two live YouTube channel with a podcast called The Dynasty Saturday Night Five, where we take lists of five to uh, talk about Dynasty. Um, my, uh, my co-host there is uh, Josh Walker at Rotonaut on Twitter. Jesse, of course, you can be found uh, live on uh, the, the Dynasty Warzone YouTube channel with uh, Dynasty War Games. Uh, which he does with Chad Mendoza and Mike Casper, really, you know, drilling down on on player value. Uh, they go live most of the time on either Sunday or Monday night around nine thirty ten. Just gotta um, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I wish he would tweet more when he knew what time they were going on and which night it would be. But <laughs> you know, you know, Jesse's aversion to Twitter, so maybe that uh, won't happen anytime soon. Okay, folks, uh, you can follow this show on Twitter at Dynasty Fever Pod. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Yeah.